0: Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives podcast. I'm Adam Tau from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Amsterdam is Elena Durante. Elena is ESG Risk Audit Manager at ING Corporate Audit Services Risk and Finance, and she'll be speaking at the 2023 European Compliance and Ethics Institute on Compliance and Greenwashing. First, Elena, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure.
0: Oh, a pleasure having you. I'm grateful that you'll be addressing this topic both here and at the conference. Now, let's just dive in. With increased public interest in environmental issues, more ratings on ESG metrics out there, and even government demands for environmental reporting, there's a great risk there, particularly in the area of greenwashing. First, can you briefly describe what are the common forms of greenwashing?
1: Sure. Let me first start by saying that it's really difficult to define what greenwashing is, right? I mean, we probably heard this term over and over in the past uh, years, and, um, but we can say that it's everything around advertising and public messaging that companies might do in the attempt of appearing more climate friendly or environmentally sustainable than they really are. We can also say that any techniques that the companies use to, let's say, distract the customers from the fact that they are not sustainable, it can be defined as greenwashing. Now, there are different nuances and tactics for greenwashing, and probably also you might have heard of terms like green hushing, green crowding, but they all have, I think, something in common, which is providing an information externally, which is misleading to customers and consumers, because they don't have sufficient information to judge whether the company's claim is accurate and it's true, right? Or it's only a partial um, a partial way of saying the story. So an example could be, for example, when a bank uh, communicates about its sustainable initiatives but omits to mention about financing, polluting companies or clients, right? Um, But we can also say that greenwashing is about uh, setting ESG-linked KPIs for a company where actually they do not address an an ambitious level for, for the company, or they're not material, or they do not target at all the key issues that for the industry where that company works at. So it, it's very difficult, but um, let's say, I think recent, uh, recently there has been many headlines of company being uh, subject to greenwashing accusations. And I think we will see more and more of that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid that you're right. With more and more demands for environmental accountability, more organizations are gonna be tempted to sort of fudge what they have to say to better meet expectations. So what do regulations say about greenwashing?
1: Yeah, I think, let's say uh, not yet enough, I would say, but they're starting. So regulators at global level have acknowledged the fact that this is really a risk for consumers, right? And it can distort the market practices and, and the functioning. So, especially in the, in the European Union, well, where I work, I've seen an increased amount of regulation uh, trying to combat greenwashing. And an example is, um, for example, the European Union Unfair Commercial Practices Directive, or the EU Taxonomy, the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, and the all have in common the objective of combating greenwashing. Now, um, something I would like to share is also uh, uh, a recent proposal at the European Union level, also to to, um, to force companies to back up their green claims about their products, but really to back up their claims with evidence. This is not yet a regulation, but you can see the direction of the European Union regulators there. Uh, Outside of the European Union, there has been less, uh, let's say, regulation. However, uh, the TCFD reporting mandates or the green claims code in the UK is another example. And in the US, where um, you have seen also the Security and Exchange Commission, that has been particularly uh, vocal about greenwashing issues Uh, in the, I think it was in 2021, they have established a climate and ESG task force really to develop initiatives to proactively identify ESG-related misconducts. And just last year, you probably recall a few examples of financial institutions that have been uh, um, fined by the SEC uh, for their ESG misstatements and omissions. these really tell us that regulators have greenwashing risks among their top priority list and this trend can only continue in my opinion
0: well it seems to be the direction things are going but absent regulations at this point what has been the fallout when companies have been caught greenwashing
1: well this is really um i mean it's really Difficult to describe, I think, what are the consequences of greenwashing for a company, because I think they're so pervasive and they do not only affect the company itself that has been, let's say, um, subject to greenwashing accusations or allegations, but I think it might affect the industry, um, the industry itself where the company operates. So, first of all, when we think of greenwashing, we think about the reputational risk involved, right? So first of all, is the damage to the brand image of the company and that brand image damage can also lead to a future drop in sales when consumers just boycott the company products, right? Um, But at the same time, um, you have a loss of consumer trust uh, caused by this greenwashing um accusation but this can impact also other brands that engage in similar businesses and remember earlier i mentioned this uh financial institution being fined by the security and exchange commission i mean really that you could see at the time it really affected the overall industry for sustainable investments you see a disengagement of investors from this type of uh, uh investment proposals because they distrust the institutions right Mm -hmm. um and next to that you have also uh the regulatory uh risk component so just before we were talking about regulations right so you see an increase in regulatory requirements and because of that an institution or company could be fined because of it, or they might also incur illegal or potential litigation risks if, for example, climate activists might uh, file a complaint about greenwashing allegations towards a company. So all of that, of course, has not only a reputational risk uh, effect, but also a financial impact, right? So the drop in sales, the litigation costs, uh, but also potentially the increasing financing cost um, so think about all the institution or all the banks that might be financing companies they also go through a very um, they, they scrutinize right the companies that might but they might potentially finance and they also look at potential greenwashing cases they might be uh, affected by so This might translate into increasing financing costs, but also potentially increased uh, insurance costs or loss of uh, partnerships uh, um, in general. So it is really not only a company-only problem. It might have real-world consequences and industry-wide consequences.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. So what should compliance and audit teams be looking out for to prevent greenwashing in their organizations?
1: Well, on this, I think, uh, let me start by saying that um, we have witnessed a huge transformation in in the market, in the regulatory landscape, and this affects also the roles of compliance and internal functions, or we can say, or second and third line of defenses within organizations in general. So we went from from voluntary ESG disclosures to mandatory ones. And that affects, of course, the roles of these functions within each organization. I think um, the number one priority for both functions should be to ensure that. The organization complies with the most relevant, relevant ESG regulations, right? Or even to the industry standards that the company has committed publicly committed to. So maintaining, for example, an up-to-date inventory of all the relevant regulations and how they impact the different functions uh, and services of the company, it's really one thing where compliance functions can help. Um, Secondly, I think also they should be working towards the development uh, and implementation of ESG protocols within the organization. An example could be the development of um, greenwashing guidelines for for the organization. It doesn't matter really which industry the company is, I mean, you can develop such a guidelines to to establish a key set of controls and policies to ensure that there are enough um, checks and balances in place uh, regarding the communication, the external communication of the company, but also about their product and service development and marketing. So compliance functions, for example, can um, be, uh a very involved um, party when it comes to monitoring and approving any external communication being made right so to be sure that there are no uh greenwashing risks uh, involved in that but also when it comes to product uh, and service development it is important to understand whether these products or services or the methodologies involved in the standards and the characteristics of such products might lead to greenwashing. So compliant functions should be involved in this process, in these approval processes. And on the other hand, from a third line of defense perspective, internal function should also verify whether these checks and balances have taken place, whether also the appropriate protocols um, have been established and adhered to, and approvals at the right level in the organizations were obtained. One thing I want to com- to comment on on this is also um, the awareness. So it's true that uh, compliance functions and internal audit functions are more like acting as an independent um, uh, actor within their organization. But they should also be um, conscious of the fact that it is important for any team within the organization to be aware of the potential greenwashing risks uh, uh, that the organization might face. And this can be fostered by training and internal communication.
0: And communication is always so important in virtually everything the compliance team does. Well. Elena, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today. I'm looking forward to your presentation in Amsterdam at the 2023 SECe European Compliance and Ethics Institute. I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Schertltaut from SECe and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.